I've had a vision. Great tribulation as the world has never known. The sun shall be darkened. The moon shed her light. Men will seek death. But be unable to find it. In the awesome battle of Armageddon. The end is here. You came to me in a dream last night. You were standing in a brilliant light. One minute here, but the next you were gone. I thought you could stay, but I was so wrong. The end is here, the game is over, no more pretending. Welcome to episode number 81 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, we will uh, skim the news down this week. We'll uh, have a news light version. But what do you have for us from the news desk, sir? Well, uh, the doctor who sued CM Punk, it came to light that he had a sexual relationship with Julian Hall. Yes, who happened to be a WWE performer at the time, so uh, not a very ethical thing for a doctor to have a relationship with his patients. Uh, Very questionable decision on his part. This story was broken by uh, David Bixenspan, I guess got the documents from his uh, deposition from uh, Dr. Chris Amon or whatever, and uh, CM Punk's lawyers or Colt Cabana's lawyers asked him about this relationship, or somehow through this trial it came out in his deposition about uh, this relationship. It wasn't actually brought up in the trial because it wasn't relevant to the case, but uh, it was apparently part of his deposition, which in depositions they can ask you anything, and if you don't answer it truthfully, you can face perjury charges. So a lot of times, even if it has no correlation to the case, they can throw a question out and you need to answer it. And so he answered it, and now we'll have to see if uh, he faces any repercussions with his, uh, you know, as far as practicing medicine and also working for the WWE, because this is not something you would probably want 
your physician to have vested interest in a, you know, a performer. It's definitely a ethical quandary. At the same time, this deposition was probably recorded a long time ago, and the company has known about it since it happened. And right. and if he's still employed by the company, then they've moved on. And so my whole thing of it is 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 this man has done this. It has come out. It leaves WWE with egg on their face. They force this guy into into suing Punk. Okay, so he does. This comes out now. Does WWE hold true to form and punish this guy for breaking their rules? Or do they let it slide under the rug and he gets a pass, but everybody else can't? It puts WWE in a bad situation. You get where I'm coming from? Oh, right, yeah. There's no there's no right way to handle it. You forced a, you forced a hand on this guy, and so now consequences need to be need to be followed through. In my opinion, I'm just... The WWE did actually not know about this. They were not made aware of this. This was their comment to Deadspin, which is where David Bixon's command works. The WWE said, We were not aware of this. We are investigating the matter and will determine if any action is warranted. There you go. They're going to wait till the steam lets off and then they're make everybody think everybody's going to forget about it and go on about their business. The WWE having a relationship with ESPN, that, I mean, they're the worldwide leader. I mean... They're like the number one sports story. Like most news, you know, most sports news seems to originate from ESPN. Right. And if you have a relationship with the WWE, which ESPN does, where, you know, they get access to like Brock Lesnar interviews and just random, you know, they have a partnership. Yeah. And if ESPN, if Sports Illustrated or ESPN, if those big publications don't pick up the story, then yeah, they can probably just bury it and go on because... It's not until it starts, yeah, egg on the face. and It's not until it hits those big publications where the WWE starts worrying about it. Also, I think the WWE would be more concerned about it if their rights, uh, if their television rights were still up for bidding and they hadn't got their money. Their yeah. money, they've already sold Raw and SmackDown. Their money, their check's in the mail. Yeah. So as far as like, you know, having a public relations nightmare, it's almost like, only if it gets to a certain degree. Like Deadspin's a very big publication. I'm not. I'm not challenging like Deadspin because they're a big pub. They're a big publication, but they're not a mainstream publication. That we're talking like TV worldwide type. That a normal mainstream person would just stumble into this news article. Like right. you're not going to probably stumble into Deadspin. You're gonna go there anyway. So yeah. it's those. It's that kind of. It's that kind of PR coverage, you know, that this company would... You'll see action taken if it hits those... If it hits that level. But if it doesn't, we just won't hear anything else about it. Yeah. They might say a memo saying, oh, it's been handled internally. And we'll never know, you know, what they did, if they even did anything, so... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just... It's, uh... I think it really it really sucks for this doctor, though. Like, um... It's widely believed that the company funded his lawsuit. So they made him go sue CM Punk. And now he might lose his job because of something that came out in the trial that he was basically forced into doing. Right. That's what... That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. For him. I mean... WWE forced him into this. This comes out. He couldn't lie about it or he'd get in trouble federally. Perjury, yeah. Yeah. He can't lie about it. So it comes out in trial, and then if WWE actually proceeds to, which I'm sorry, I feel like they they need to. It makes me, 
it, it puts the guy in a bad situation. As much as it's bullshit that they they are going to do something about it, it's bullshit if they do. It, it just it puts WWE in a situation where it's a no win situation. They're now their hands are tied. The ball's in their court, and they need to figure out how in the hell are they going to solve this problem without coming out in the worst for wear possible. And there's really no right answer, in my opinion. The next step is, okay, if they fired this guy, if they fired this doctor, then he could go to the press and say, well, I was forced into this lawsuit. This company just wanted to take revenge upon CM Punk because what CM Punk and the WWE, they reached a settlement to where they couldn't sue each other. So WWE, by proxy... Basically, funded, him yeah, on their behalf, yeah, is what is widely believed. By the way, I want to reiterate that's, I mean, there's those secretly funded lawsuits. There's no, you, there's no paper trail, so they don't have to reveal if it's funded by somebody. Like when Hulk Hogan had his trial, and it turned out it was funded by some guy that wanted to like take revenge against Gawker and take take them down. Like that, oh, that only came out because like Hogan or that guy said, "I'm funding it." Peter. I forget what his name is, but he basically told people. So if they don't say it, we're just speculating that yeah. he was probably funded by the WWE. So. There's a good, I mean, there's a safe. Oh, yeah. There's a safe, I'm not saying guarantee, but there's a safe bet in the fact that they WWE did help fund this. And so it really sucks. I'm not trying to make excuses for, I mean, he violated ethical guidelines of being a doctor, and whatever your employee, I don't know what their policy is on employees dating each other because I mean employees are dating each other all the time. But his ethical medical right. medical though referees, wrestlers, announcers, talent is one thing. But when you're a medical physician having an inappropriate relationship with an athlete who is also your patient, who's also your patient. It's not right. Oh, and so, yeah, it was really, that was a stupid decision on his part, and so I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but I do feel kind of sorry for him, though, if my company says, well, we want you to fund this lawsuit, and by me taking part in what my employer wanted me to do, I lose my job with that employer. Yeah. (laughs) So, not only do I go to trial and I get all my dirty laundry aired out, and then I lose at trial, I lose my job that I even showed up to... Do I was doing my job basically? Yeah. So you're, if your boss comes to you and says, "I want you to do this," I want you to go. If su- it's not breaking, I need the you law, to sue Patrick for defamation. If I it's need not you to breaking the law, you're probably going to do it because that's the person that pays you. Right. Yeah. So you do it, and then <laughs> something comes out that your boss doesn't like. Listen, I did what you asked me to do here. I can't help what come out. I did what you asked me to do. Oh well, sorry. One of two things is going to happen, and I'm right. I've, I'm, you're right with what you said. He's going to get sued, or he's going to get fired, and then he's going to turn around, and go to publication, and say he was he was put up to put the up task. to the task of suing, which is going to make WWE look bad. Or nothing's going to happen. He's going to keep his job, which is going to make WWE look bad because they didn't take action into something as immoral as a doctor having something to do sexually with their patient. Well, and how disconnected are you with your employees? Where I mean. It's hard to keep stuff like that secret, you know? And, yeah. it, and if the defense lawyers knew about it, how did the company not know about it? Exactly. You know? Like, if CM Punk and Colt Cabana's lawyer somehow picked up on it. Exactly. Like, the Jillian Hall and Dr. Amon relationship took place, I think, in 2014. So this was, like, 
four years ago. So you're saying in that four years you didn't figure out anything happened that might come up at trial? Yeah. Well, it just makes me think that not all lawyers are smart either because (laughs) pretty sure if I was an attorney and I'm sitting down, hey, we're going to trial. Is there anything negative that could come out? We need to know now. Yeah, that could be helpful. That a little bit of that would have gone a long way. I got one more piece of news. Okay. Dana White, ladies and gentlemen, was in a wrestling ring last night. He was. What was he, he doing was. there? Uh, Jerry the King Lawler's Bar and Grill in Memphis, Tennessee had live wrestling. Dana White was in the corner uh, supporting a, uh, a friend of his. A buddy of mine, Derek King, was a part of the match. Derek King ended up, uh, some stuff went down. Dana White got in the ring and got physical. Wow. So we saw Dana White make his pro wrestling <laughs> debut last night at Jerry the King Lawler's Bar and Grill in Memphis, Tennessee. So, uh, yeah, Dana White been uh, making a lot of waves in the uh, pro wrestling world this week after CM Punk's loss, as we're on the topic of CM Punk as well. Oh, uh, yeah, that was. <laughs> well, he lost it. He looked a lot better than he did in his first fight. That's true, but. Um, I mean. But Dana White says CM Punk should call it a career in, in MMA, mixed martial arts, says he should hang it up. But he also really burnt the guy that faced CM Punk. And I, I watched clips from the fight. Uh, Mike Jackson was, you know, instead of finishing the fight, this guy was like showboating a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, Dana really ripped into him. Not so much CM Punk, just that CM Punk should move on. And then also this week, Ronda Rousey going in the UFC Hall of Fame. So it might be a while before she makes it into the WWE's Hall of Fame, but she's going into the UFC Hall of Fame. And uh, that was announced this week. So... Dana White with two uh, pro wrestling related items there. I also have one more piece of little information if you were okay. Yeah, on your end. Yeah, prowrestlingsheet.com. Breaking news, come out just about an hour ago. WWE 2K19. The cover is going to be released on Monday. You're getting it here. Ronda Rousey. No, AJ Styles. That's AJ, weird. AJ's on the cover. Your exclusive. Pre-order download bonus is Ronda Rousey. No, that shouldn't be a bonus. She's on the roster. She is a pre-order only bonus. Those guys. Uh, the, so, 2K. They're nickel and dime you at every corner. This lady's on the main roster. So, uh, this is what they're saying. It goes on to say that sources have told us AJ will be appearing on the cover. The pre-order character is going to be Ronda Rousey. Both were present this week in Memphis for the shoot and the commercial. So we are going to be getting another commercial. So I, I think these, you know, we had the Goldberg thing and then we had Seth Rollins this past year. I, I'm kind of getting into the whole commercial thing. It helps build the hype. Well, and before that, they had, I mean, Ultimate Warrior and Sting doing commercials. Yeah, you had Sting. That's right. You had Sting with, you know, Austin's uh, a Barry in the Smoking Skull Belt and all that. So they've been doing it for a while. I, I'd forgotten, really. Yeah, I think Paul Heyman has something to do with the production company that does those commercials, by the way. Like, they were instrumental in getting Warrior signed back up, so. Oh, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Rey Mysterio was there, too, so. Don't, don't want to say anything, but we may get Rey Mysterio in this year's game. He will be DLC that you, of course, have to pay extra for. You oh, can't yeah. You just absolutely. have Rey Mysterio. You can't just have somebody who was in the game at one time. You, you got to pay for that. Yeah. You have to. Anyway, I, yeah, DLC. <laughs> one of the worst things to happen in the video game industry ever, by the way. Nickel and dime you, left and right. Now, I'm surprised you didn't have this on your news item list, though. 
David Arquette has made his in-ring return to professional wrestling. What? He hit a double Stone Cold Stunner in his return to the ring. Bullshit! Yeah, man, he's back. He jumped in the ring at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, is what it's called. Oh, okay, the, they do the, um, they work a lot with uh, Patrick Corgan and or Billy, Billy Corgan. Corgan. You're Patrick Young, he's uh, Billy Corgan. Well, people know him as yeah. Patrick Corgan as well. Um, William Patrick Corgan. Yeah. yeah. That's his middle name. Well, yeah. Um, they do a lot with the NWA, so. And he hopped in. Well, the event was called Peter and Ray's Surprise Birthday Spectacular. And he assaulted the Rock Ness Monsters. The 46-year-old bounced the ropes, threw a haymaker at one, kicked the other in the groin, and got them both at the same time with Steve Austin's signature move. Oh, man, that is oversell if there ever was. Holy shit. Mr. Arquette's going to need to hit the gym a little bit. Yeah, he's sucking wind after hitting that one rope. I didn't even... It happened so fast, I didn't even know it was him. He had a big, giant orange shirt on. I guess I should have noticed him, but... He just hopped out of the crowd and hopped in the middle of the ring. That is awesome. So, yeah, he wasn't lying. He's Maybe he's coming back one day, Patrick. Maybe he'll be in next year's 2K game. I am surprised, though. Him... Believe it or not, I want to see him and none other than Andy Kaufman in downloadable characters in a wrestling game. We had Andy in Legends of Wrestling, but I wanted in a WWE 2K game. I'm really surprised that they didn't put a female athlete on the cover of the game. Wouldn't you think that would be the direction they went in, even if it's not Ronda, Charlotte, or just... It's kind of strange. I, I just find that to be strange. I mean, AJ, AJ is is the well, yeah, he's a great wrestler, but like he's the greatest in the world right now. I I think Seth Rollins has passed him in the last few months, really. And when you say whole world, I you know Okada and Omega are probably a little bit ahead because I they, don't know, man. They just had a seven star match. Dave Meltzer gave him seven stars on a scale that usually goes up to five. So that's true, but you got to look at it like this: WWE turns him back a little on what he can do because they don't want him going too overboard. If you gave him free range to do what he wanted to, I'm pretty sure AJ could hang with almost anyone in in the business. Well, speaking of AJ, tomorrow night is Money in the Bank. We're taping this on Saturday. We'll just go over the three big uh, matches because the rest of them are just garbage. Ronda Rousey's going to win the title. I don't think they'll do the title change. I think she'll win by DQ. Uh, so four matches. Uh, I'm st- I'm saying Nia Jax will hold on to the title. Ronda's so. going to win the match one way or another. Well, she'll win the match, but I don't think she's... I think it's too early to, to, to put get... the title on her? Yeah. Oh, I agree. Even though there's been some speculation this week that her contract's only for a year. So maybe it's not too early. If you it is just it. for a year, then they're going to put it on her and have her carry it through SummerSlam. Have it carry through Mania? I mean, you can't have her just lose a random match, you know, or have someone cash him. She's got to lose to Charlotte. That should be the ultimate goal, but that should be a WrestleMania. That shouldn't be a SummerSlam match. Cause then the, then you've got half a year left on her contract and you've already had the big match. <laughs> you know, I think, I think they'll have her for more than a year though. Yeah. I think that's total speculation, but anyway, uh, so that's a big match. AJ and Nakamura, another last man standing match for the WWE championship. I guess Nakamura's probably going to take it by now. I mean, for him to come up, I, this I think is their fourth match together. I'm tired of the fucking low blows, man. Good God. This makes Ric Flair turn his head and walk away. I mean, shit. 
Well, and then we have the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Ember Moon, Charlotte, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Lana, Naomi, and Sasha Banks. Call it Becky Lynch. It is Becky's time. A heel's probably going to win the, the men's Money in the Bank. And since they had a heel women, they had a heel win the woman's one last year in uh, Carmella. I think you probably need to give it to a baby face. So, yeah, I'd say Becky Lynch. Unless she turns when she has the, the briefcase. But yeah, that would be my pick as well because she's had nothing going. She's on. She's had nothing going on, and they need they need her to pick up steam. Bad. We have the men's Money in the Bank ladder match for a world championship contract. Do you have Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, The Miz, Rusev, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, or a member of the New Day, Big E, Kofi Kingston, or Xavier Woods? They're keeping it a secret until we get to the event. Who is in the match for the New Day? So Strowman. I think it's a little too easy to just... The biggest man, the strongest man, and then not only that, he has the ability to cash in whenever he wants to. Do you know how scary that would be for anyone who's champion, let alone Brock Lesnar? Strowman, man. That, that you, You're handing him a golden ticket, and that crowd will pop unbearably when he comes stomping down that hallway to go ahead and cash in. It'll be louder than a normal cash-in pop. I think uh, I think the briefcase will be on SmackDown, so I'm going to pick Samoa Joe uh, because that's another one. That's a safe pick. I, that's a safe pick. I could see Kevin Owens maybe winning it on Raw if they just want a heel to have it. Um, don't see the Miz winning it again. No. Finn Balor hasn't done any like. I don't see him taking it. Rusev. And the New Day. I think it'd be interesting if the New Day, one of them, like Xavier Woods, like is suddenly holding the briefcase. But I just don't. But see yeah, that. what's funny about that is the New Day's in. It, it's, uh, stick with me on here. Story mode. Hang on a minute. The New Day wins the briefcase. Oh, so it's we the free bird rule on the briefcase. We didn't specify which one. Then they end up fighting amongst each other. Who's going to cash it in at what time? That actually would make for good TV. I do like that idea, but I don't. I just uh, it's it's too good for them to actually do. Yeah. So maybe next year. Uh, and those are the main matches: uh, Seth Rollins and Elias for the IC belt. I think Elias is going to win because I think Seth yeah. Rollins needs to be elevated to the. I think title Elias. Picture. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think Elias walk with Elias will be walking in and out with the IC title. Okay. Well, that'll do it from. 2018 in the world of pro wrestling. Let's go back to your pick this week. Armageddon 2002. Uh, started watching, actually, the 2003 version because I was confused. And uh, I was like, why are they holding up We Got Saddam pictures in the crowd? So the next year's event, we had just captured Saddam Hussein. And this year's event, 2002, we did not. And so I was like, wow, that happened that fast? I don't remember it happening like this. Yeah. And so I was quickly corrected to watch the proper show. So, uh, yes, we're going to. Uh, wasn't it? Didn't it happen just like hours before they went on air with the pay per view? Uh, I think so because, like, like Lil- it was cool. Like Lillian came out and everything. Yeah, she sang the national anthem. Okay, yeah. Which I, I really still do not think she's a good singer. I'm sorry. Really? Am I the last one in the? Everybody, like, I think she's very talented. She thought she was good enough to quit and get a record deal. That was so. I'd sign her. That's why your record company would be out of business really no, quickly. No. It's December 15th, 2002. Now, we've already reviewed Survivor Series, so we basically know the storylines going into this pay per view. As uh, we had Shawn Michaels win the first ever Elimination Chamber, 
and an epic showing. Epic. I mean, outstanding. And one one that I have to tip my hat to, uh, to Triple H on, who, really, no lie, if you go back and listen to our podcast about it, you'll find out, but was injured very early and still battled through to finish the, the match. It was a tough injury. You have to question whether he'd work that hard if it wasn't his best friend picked to win that match. <laughs> That's true. You have to question That's it. That's true. That's very true. Um, and also, we had Big Show. Paul Heyman turned on Brock Lesnar, one of the worst decisions he would make ever. As great as a manager and a heel and a talker as Paul Heyman, to take the Big Show, to say, I have these two specimens here. I can be the manager of one of these two people. And he turned on what he had already called the next big thing. I mean, this guy had won King of the Ring already. He'd won the title. It just beat The Rock in no time. Yeah. Made him look like a chump. Yeah. He's headed to win the Royal Rumble. Ran Austin out of town. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to go a Big Show. I'm taking my money and I'm going a Big Show. Since our last review, we of course mentioned that the, uh, the infamous Eric Bischoff just handing a title to Triple H. So yes. now... We don't have a unified champion, a undisputed champion. We have Big Goldie and the WWE belt, the Raw belt and the SmackDown belt, if you will. So those are the, that's the main storyline going on. And this is what we thought might be the blow-off match between HBK, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H. We didn't know. We were in store for another, like, five years of but Shawn Michaels and Triple H matches. On and off. This was the blow-off the immediate blow off for them to spin into other directions and catch back up at, an, at another date. And they would. If, if that makes sense to yes. anyone out there. Okay. No, it makes sense. Yes. That this is, this is it for right now. We'll for just right press now. pause on our which, feud, which is a great match, by the way, you have to admit it's, it's fine. It's not as good as the last one that we saw, which was SummerSlam 2002. I mean, well, fuck, nothing's going to add up to that. That was Sean's, the excitement of Sean's return along alone puts that half of half i mean that's a big advantage that's five out of ten stars right there sean's walking back to the ring for the first time in four years i mean that's we're so. we're at the office depot center in sunrise florida in front of an estimated nine thousand people uh for raw and smackdowns presented by lugs armageddon nine thousand people that was it. That's what it says. Damn, WCW was drawing more people back in that place than that. Yeah, but I think that maybe the ticket prices are higher, so it offsets it. So if you charge double, you can fill a 9,000-seater, and it's an 18,000-seater in, you know, ticket sales. So That's true. Well, you know, for an off-season pay-per-view... That you is wouldn't think, for a December pay-per-view, that is true. You wouldn't think much would happen on this show that would really change anything going forward because it, it's pretty much it's pretty much understood that whatever happens at Survivor Series is going to carry until the Rumble. Whatever happens at the Rumble will, will carry until WrestleMania. And those B shows might have some minor things happen, but you definitely don't expect to have the major title changes you have on this show. Right. Like, so they probably booked this arena, you know, thinking we're this is going to be a throwaway show. And then it turns out they decide, oh, well, let's make it really impactful and yeah. really change everything. Well, not change everything that much, but change things a little. Enough. Know. Yeah, enough to where if you didn't watch it and you watched Raw and SmackDown the next night, you'd be like, whoa, what? All this yeah. happened on the December pay-per-view? Yeah. Freddie Blasky is here to intro this pay-per-view as oh, he man. often would. This intro was beautifully done. 
The end is here. That song is used again. I think we've had it on two other, or three other shows that we've done, I feel like. They do it, uh, it was done like at almost every single Judgment Day pay-per-view. <laughs> Armageddon, Judgment Day, Arm- they're really synonyms. So yeah. They use this song a lot. They really did. Did WWE write that song? Uh, they did. It's an original. It's okay. like a It's like a Doors cover band that did it, so okay. they have the rights to it. Or okay. So that's why they use it a lot. Yeah. Now, where we last left you, I don't want to overlook this too much, but on Heat, we missed the match between Jeff Hardy, yes, that's right, the guy that we pegged for greatness, you know, coming out of that episode of Raw, or what was it that he's strumming the guitar? That was SummerSlam, right? Or No, that was Raw. Okay, that was, was on... the Raw we watched where he, he dropped Kick Taker into the puke. Oh, right, yeah. So, Jeff Hardy, who had promised greatness, that he was going to get extreme. This was going to be his year, or whatever. His extreme is he drop kicks The Undertaker into a pile of vomit. Yes. Well, he ended up on Sunday Night Heat wrestling D'Lo Brown. And he defeated D'Lo Brown in 4 minutes, 56 seconds. So Did D'Lo... Did they both walk away? <laughs> no, that's not nice. <laughs> you laughed. We go back to the Armageddon intro. There are missiles being shot in the air, of course. And WWE superstars, it goes together. Yes, a missile going through the air. I think of Triple H. When I see a bomb about to land on my house, I think, that reminds me of Kurt Angle. They use the B-roll, by the way, from the Demolition music video of the house. It was old 1920s black and white. The house is exploding. Like, oh, yeah. The demolition. It's the Demolition music video that they've gotten so much use out of. So, anyway... The well, there's, set. like, bodies laid on top of each other and stuff. It's a pretty graphic video at certain points. This pro wrestling stuff's intense, man. It is. The set. Remember when they used to build custom sets, Patrick? Oh, my God, I forgot about this. Yeah, so it's giant metal uh Dude, like this set's badass. Stuff and flames. I love how, and we're back to finally having some kayfabe. Babies walk in on one side, hills walk out on another. It was just so fucking. Oh, I didn't notice that. Done. Yes. Little deep, tiny, tiny, minute details matter so much. The end is here in Fort Lauderdale, according to the announcers. By the way, the Dudley Boys have thankfully reunited as Reverend Devon's time has come to an end, and he is back with Bubba Ray. So, I'll and be- we would be stuck with the shit called Batista. Not a good outing tonight for Mr. Batista, for Deacon Batista later on. God, it, and that's that's a, that's one match that I never... This is something I never thought I'd say. A match that Ric Flair was involved in was shit. So the Dudleys are here to take on the Un-Americans, which have changed their lineup. Now it's more than Canadians, it's British people. So William Regal and Lance Storm are now the Un-Americans. And then Booker T is out with Goldust. Who, wait, who's the champion here? Oh, here they come. Y2J being wasted in a tag team with Captain Charisma. So we've had a splintering of the Un-Americans. I guess they've... Some are still more Un-American than others, That's I true. guess. Y2J. As I mentioned, they had a real need for baby faces on Raw, and instead of using Jericho in that capacity, you're on a tag team with Christian. Thank you. Why not put him with as the leader of the Un-Americans? I think they tried that at first. Did they? I don't... It seems to be right when they formed on SmackDown, he was still a part of SmackDown, and then he got he went to Raw, and that was the end of it. Uh, that was my whole thing, is you had Christian at one point in time in it, and you had... You throw Regal in there, put Jericho as, like, the lead man. They could make a run against Evolution. No, they would have gotten destroyed. Well, well, I mean, everybody. There was nobody 
to stand in the Realistically, way. they could make a run with Evolution. Well, yeah. Pen, pen and pen, or pencil and paper-wise, they were going to get destroyed, always. So. This is a four-way elimination tag team match because we need to get everyone on this card because we need to carve out 20 minutes for a hot lesbian action segment coming up later. What so, are you talking about? So everybody needs to be in this tag team match for some reason. By the way, four-way elimination tag team match. You should never want to tag in until you're down to the last two. Thank God. Because I was really about to harp the shit. I was going to give Jericho and Christian so much fucking Especially hell. if you're the heels. But the you baby wanna, faces... First of all, it's elimination, okay? Yeah. What happens, like, two minutes in? Fucking Jericho tags himself in. <laughs> what? Yeah, not good with playing the odds. Chemistry here. Don't take these guys to Vegas. If they don't they're trying to the come odds. and reach for a tag and you're the champions, jump Avoid, down. Yeah. I'm the champion. I don't want to be in the ring. Don't fucking, especially don't blind tag yourself in. What the <laughs> hell? Logic has to go out the window. You have to really suspend your logic uh, in this type of match. Especially when they find out they're playing the whole montage of this this match, right? And Jericho and Christian are pissed because not only are they defending against one tag team, but they're they're defending against two others. Going into it, you're pissed off, you're angry. What the fuck? You would think. Like, basic knowledge. Avoid. In-ring any competition whatsoever. Not, we're, Alex, I swear to God, less than two minutes, two minutes into the they're fucking match. They're themselves Two in. minutes into the fucking match, they tag themselves in. <laughs> and I'm going, what? No. It doesn't. It's not that hard to figure out, really. It's not. They shouldn't have been in the match until they were forced to be. Right. Like it maybe if someone. It had to be somebody decks the shit yeah, out of them, and that counts. as they're laying on the corner, he reaches over and tags and be like, "Now get your ass in there," you know. And then they. No, these guys wanted to be fighting champions right. as heels, and then they battle reason. through and they eliminate a tag team, and because to build the heels up more. God, man, this is... Simple logic. Oh, shit. Simple storytelling. Simple. But, very simple. But no, they, they don't understand that. Storm will start off with Bubba. Bubba splashes Storm in the corner after calling him Canadian scum. Thank you, Bubba Ray Dudley. USA proud. Devon tags in. They hit a double-team face buster to Storm, who tags in Regal. Devon tags in Goldust, another... This is actually a good strategy. Tag in the other people. Make them do the work. Devon tags in Goldust, who gets clotheslined in the back of the head. Ouch. And Christian makes a blind tag to come into this match. Yes, so here oh, yeah. you go. I was giving Jericho shit. It was, it was Christian. Sorry. But then he immediately tags in Jericho, who then Goldust catapults outside. So these guys, it's they want to fight. It's stupid. They want to get tired and worn out so they can stupid. lose. Goldust suplexes him back into the ring. Christian tags in and gets an inverted atomic drop from Goldust. Goldust tags Bubba in. They both hit Dusty, Rhodes, Shake, Rattle, and Roll Elbows in Florida to a big pop, by the way. I love that, by the way. I thought that was badass. To Christian and Jericho at the same time. Bubba wants the was up on Jericho, and Devon delivers it. Devon gets the no, no tables yet, as the, all the teams brawl for a moment. A 3D to Christian, but Regal made a blind tag... So then Storm leg drops Bubba, who was covering Christian. Regal goes for a cover. Bubba rolls it over. And then Regal rolls it over again with the tights. And Nick Patrick, that dirty heel referee, counts three and then seems confused. The announcers are confused. Eventually, we all agree that the Dudleys should get the hell out of the ring. Meanwhile, Goldust power slams Regal. One, two, three. 
as Regal goes down to hook him, Regal actually hooks him harder than he was supposed to and rolled him, rolled Bubba on top of him by mistake. And actually the momentum carried Bubba over on top of him. So Regal battles back over to hold the, hold the hook in one, two, three, but it just, it looks like shit. Like it, it looked like shit. It was bad. Yes, it was bad. And it created confusion for a lot of people. And it, it made Nick Patrick look like a dumbass, too, till he finally made the call and said, listen, y'all gotta get the hell out. But, back to what you were saying. Goldust, out of nowhere... Just pins Regal. One, two, three. One, two, three. Power slam. Who Regal. knew that? Regal's gone. I guess they were supposed to be the first team eliminated, I guess. And so, to make things proper, they had to go right then. Because, oh, we're out of order. The Dudleys went first. You were supposed to go first. Yeah. That's so stupid. You can't... They couldn't call it on the fly and be like, oh, let's just reorganize ourselves. This is... I, I, okay, it feels me. Fuck yeah, call it on the fly and go with it. But this is WWE. Yeah, Vince has to have one heel team and one babyface team. Gotta, the odds have to be even. Has to go in order. However, I feel like Regal and Storm are heels. Jericho and Christian. So it was... If they stayed in the match, it would have made Booker and Goldust look amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, it would have made Booker and Goldust look like fucking Rambo. It would have yeah. been awesome. The Road Warriors have yeah. returned. Yeah. After these two instant pins, like, you blink and you miss it. We're down to two teams. It's Goldust and Booker T against Jericho and Christian. So, Goldust hits a rear view to Jericho, tags Booker in. Booker hits a standing sidekick to Jericho's face. Goldust tags in, holds up Jericho for a kick from Booker that looked great as Booker sails over Goldust, who was uh, holding Jericho up on his shoulders. Christian tags in and gets Goldust's uppercut for his troubles. Goldust gets thrown out by Christian. Jericho sneak attacks him by throwing him into the stairs and hitting him with the British flag that William Regal, so much pride in his British flag, he left it behind. Yeah. And so Jericho used it. Jericho then throws Goldust back in the ring for Christian. He hits a backbreaker for two. Christian sucks chance as he puts Goldust in an abdominal stretch. Christian tags Jericho in, who gets knocked down by Goldust. Needs that hot tag. This looks a lot like the last match we saw them in, where Goldust gets the shit beat out of him and gets all the heat on him and then gets the hot tag to Booker. That's just how these two wrestle, and it seems to work for It him. works for him. The heels double-team Goldust behind Nick Patrick's back. Christian is now the legal man. Goldust finally slows the heels down with a choke slam of sorts to Christian. It's more like a, uh, it's almost like his version of the bookend. Booker finally gets the hot tag, clears out the heels. Jericho tries for the walls of Jericho on Booker T, but Booker rolls him up and only gets a two count. Jericho avoids an Alabama slam by using his momentum to slip over Booker's back, puts on the walls of Jericho, which at this point is just a Boston Crab, everybody, and Booker T crawls towards the ropes. Before he can get to the ropes, though, as Jericho drags him back to the center of the ring, Goldust runs in, bulldogs Jericho to break it up. Booker hits a big kick to Jericho's face, but only gets two. Missile drop kick to Jericho for two. The Jericho-Bulldog-Lion-Salt combination misses as he misses the Lion Salt. So Booker hits a scissors kick, and Jericho kicks out of Booker's finisher, one of his finishers, at two. A belt shot and Lion Salt from Jericho, but Booker, he's Superman too. He kicks out a belt shot and a Lion Salt. And then he hits the bookend as Jericho tried for another belt shot. And Booker and Goldust, congratulations. Goldust getting some gold, the first tag team belt he ever held. As uh, we have new tag team champs on Raw. So I was I was pumped. I, st I knew this was going to happen. I, n I remember this win... 
when it happened live, I, it still makes me pumped because here it is. Stick with me. 2002 Royal Rumble. Gold Dust. The Godfather and Kurt Henning make their return. Kurt Henning falls by the wayside. Uh, the Godfather falls by the wayside. But yet we still have this legend. He stays around. Okay. And in less than a year, almost a full year, but in less than a year, he's finally wearing gold. That's awesome. He's finally wearing gold. He, wear, he wears gold every but, night. But, I mean, he's wearing, you know, he's finally wearing a title. And no, his celebration here at the end actually made it worth it, because he looks like he really appreciates He was belt. really pumped. He was really happy. He was happy. It was real. It was it still was, real to him. Damn it man. was emotionally happy. Yeah, he was, and which makes it even that much better. I like the finish of the match between uh, Booker and Jericho, but I thought the rest of it was pretty boring, honestly. But that probably has to do with what happened with the two other teams and yeah. the logic fallacies you have to overcome in this match with the heels wanting the champs, especially. You're right. There's no excuse for the champs to want to tag in. But then the other heel team, no, they want to wrestle, too. Everyone wants to wrestle. Well, I can forgive Regal and Storm because, I mean, that's... Going from their backgrounds of shoot wrestlers, I mean, you just get in there and you go. I can forgive them. Jericho being a running-in-the-mouth, whining, bitching, pissing, and moaning, chicken shit run, which is what he's done most of his career, and Christian the exact same way. Now, all of a sudden, tonight, they, tonight they decide they're going to fight and defend the titles honorably? Like, come on, man. Really? As we mentioned on the last episode, this is also when the tag titles split, so... yes. Uh, they didn't mean as much, sorry, uh, gold dust, but here's a belt for you. Coach gets with Booker, and this is Booker T's big baby face promo here. Says a lot of people didn't think they had what it takes to win, but he says the people believed, and he gets gold dust, and in a nod to his performance on The Weakest Link, he says, you ain't the weak link, Goldie. Unlike Booker, who was the weakest link on Weakest Link, had a terrible performance on that game show. Really came across bad. We actually need to find that and review that It's game on show. YouTube. Is you it, can see it. We yeah. need to review that. He didn't know what Columbus Day was, so that's a problem. And he would never <laughs> bank the money. He was really bad at Weakest Link. And so I guess the writing staff wanted him to give this line just to bury him, I guess. I don't know. Oh, a little side note. Have you ever seen that rap battle or whatever? Uh... On TBS? No, I haven't, I've never watched, but I know what you're talking about. Okay, well, they had four girls from Glow, and then they had the Bellas, uh, Alicia Fox, and um, Carmella, and they all four wrapped each other. It was quite it was quite hilarious and funny, and then the Glow girls ended up winning. Wow. It, was, it was actually very... You should uh, go out there and watch it as well. Glow comes back at the end of the month. It does. Yes. Yeah. Next season, season two. My like Ranch that. is back on, too. What's that? Ranch. What is Ranch? The Ranch. It's a. Uh, it's man. It's just. It's awesome. Ashton Kutcher and uh, Sam Elliott. It's 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 cool. It's just like, but I mean, it's country style living. Country. I imagine so with that title. It's, I, it's, I hope it wasn't about dressing. No, it's 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 a it's about a farm. You know, it's a cattle rancher. And anyway, back to, to our paper. So Booker ends his promo with, "Can you dig that sucker?" Okay. JR and King toss to Taz and Cole, who will have the SmackDown call. Josh Matthews from Tough Enough debuts backstage here, and he has a tough first assignment. I'm he has to talk to Brock Lesnar. I'm sorry, who are you? 
Yes. Brock doesn't understand who this person is. Josh Matthews asks him about tonight. Brock says he's going to make an impact. Not an impact wrestling, but impact. An impact player. Yeah. Well, we already saw him. That was Lance Storm. Edge is out next in a bright blue robe. And out to his Rob Zombie theme. Which I love. I I do. I really like his Rob Zombie theme. Anyway. You don't like like, it? We've already talked about this. Anyway. (laughs) He's taking on, I was like, oh man, this will be great. The SmackDown 6 era, who has he got tonight? Yeah. It could be anybody. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's Matt Bloom, A-Train, uh, with his hairy chest, which he shaved around his neck, which made it look even more bizarre. Albert, yes. Prince Albert is taking on Edge. The guy who T- I thought was... Tenzai. <laughs> Lord Tenzai, A-Train, um, Sweet Tea, if you will. <laughs> Um, what was, what was, what was the, the head name? trainer of NXT now? What was the when he was with uh, the Funkadactyls and uh, that was Sweet Tea. Was that Sweet Tea? Yeah, okay. that right. was Sweet Tea. He He's was, God, he was almost like Viscera, dude. He was known by seven or eight different things at one point in time. So yes, and here I was at the last review we did. I was like, oh, Edge. He's getting a big push. He's really, they really put him over good here. No, we're going to put the brakes on that. Oh, you're going into the year of A-Train getting his WrestleMania moment here. At WrestleMania 19, he's going to lose to The Undertaker. So A-Train took out Rey Mysterio on SmackDown. That's what this feud is about. A-Train beat up someone not named Edge. And that meant Edge had to take up for his buddy. He had to defend his tag partner. They were tag partners at the time. That's right, yeah. They had a... Uh, they were tag champs at one point, yeah. so... Shave your back chance for Albert. He will never listen until much later in his life. That's kind of hard to do. I mean, how do you do that? Do you just, like, a, do you take a, a, a razor and just, like, duct tape it to a, a stick and try to, like... How do you how do you shave your back? I'm just Yeah, I guess you gotta know somebody. That's... What, if you have a hairy back, you have to make friends because is that what it's it is? never going to take care of itself. Is that okay? Right. I'm I, sure you could call up like Georgie Animal Steel, someone that understood, uh, yeah, like, you know, uh, back hair to uh, help him out. I'll shave your back anytime, brother. Oh, thanks, man. All right. Albert gets most of the offense early, but Edge battles back, hits a leg drop to the back of Albert's head for a two count. A train hits a big power slam to Edge for a two count. Jimmy Corderas has to warn Albert, oh, all those strikes, oh, you're really going to hurt him. Uh, Albert, don't do that. A-Train catapults Edge throat first in the second rope. Then he slaps on a chin lock. Edge hits a jawbreaker to escape. Taz talks about Albert gassing out. And I'm like, Taz, you would know about guys gassing out because of their conditioning. Edge hits a top turnbuckle edgematic on Albert for a two count. Albert counters Edge coming off the top turnbuckle with no shit. A bicycle kick to the chin. It looked right out of the Karate Kid. This was it a really crane did. kick. It was amazing to see. A train is dead as the crowd was for this match. When they saw that, they did pop for it because that was pretty impressive. It I'll was. Give him it that. was cool. It was cool. Albert wants a chair. This is a not a no DQ match, by the way. Edge baseball slides it out of his hands. So thankfully, he saved him from getting hit with the chair. Edge hits a top turnbuckle cross that Albert jumps to catch, which this was as good as the bicycle kick was, he leaped to get crossbody from Edge, and that did not look Albert turns a double-handed choke into a sit-out powerbomb on Edge. Perhaps he could have shown Batista how to do this move. Jimmy Corderas wrestles the chair away from Albert, and Edge spears Albert for a two-count, which shouldn't have happened because we have established this is his finisher anyway. That should have been the end of the match. 
That should have been it. I don't know what they were thinking here. Albert then says, you know what? Fuck wrestling. I'm just going to go ahead and get myself DQ'd. So he picks up the chair he had earlier and just smacks Edge in the leg right in front of the ref. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Congratulations. Why? If this was what you were going to do, why didn't he just come down and smack him with a chair? Because then you wouldn't have gotten a 15-minute match. (laughs) Yeah, they needed to kill time. (laughs) This stunk. I mean... This is a rough match to watch. The bicycle kick was the best part. It was really (laughs) awesome. It was a TV match, so this felt like... A lot of points on the show. No, this like. was a Sunday Night Heat match. This wasn't even a TV match. This was bad. So then our babyface, Edge, who just got hit in the leg with a chair. You'd think he'd be down for a minute. No, fuck that. He kicks the chair into Albert's face. And then Edge, the babyface, remember, our hero on the hero's journey, annihilates Matt Bloom with a chair shot to the head. And then rings out his back with multiple chair shots. All for nothing. So we're supposed... This is our hero. Well, he's getting he's getting retribution for it's being for hit. Ray. Yeah, it's all for Ray Mysterio. Yeah, man. Who, by the way, I think in that match that he suffered the injury in quotation marks, he lost that match to Albert. We talked about oh, Ray Mysterio probably should have beat Kurt Angle. He's not even beaten Albert on TV, so they didn't listen to us, Patrick. They didn't have a time machine to go forward like sixteen years to get advice and go back to make the proper adjustments. See, so. people in wrestling, if they would listen to us. The wrestling industry would be enormous, huge, making billions of dollars selling you know TV deals and all this to Fox Sports and all that. It'd be so that huge. match really just was confusing. What it was, was gained it was from this, it and was, then what would happen later on? The guy that just got annihilated with chair shots, yeah, he'd be back tonight. Edge, hell, he's he's in the car going home. He's on the plane ride back to Toronto. <laughs> Paul Heyman is with Big Show. And Heyman begs Big Show not to visit Stephanie's office. Please don't. Big Show wants respect, and he wants to talk to Stephanie, and Heyman says, no, 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 I'll take care of it. That's right. And Big Show, being the pushover that he is, the terrible character that he's always been, agrees to let Paul Heyman take care of it. This is Big Show at his biggest. Yes. This man is wearing black jeans to cover up his big ass. Because the crowd doesn't want to see that in spandex. This is unhealthy, Big Show. Well, there are multiple uh, Big Show unhealthy moments, so... This is the probably the worst. You have to agree. Yeah, well, and his haircut makes him look terrible, and his mustache. There's, he's a mess. <laughs> there's, not, there's not any part of this man that you look at and you say, you know what, that part looks okay. He's doing okay. <laughs> you look alright. Yeah, because he was a disaster. I mean, just from haircut, no one... He's a guy that looks pretty... He looks decent as a bald guy, or whatever. But <laughs> this, this mustache thing that he had, and his goatee... His flat top he had He looks on. like a a dad trying to fit in with the kids, or whatever. And like, oh, how do I be cool like you? I wear <laughs> jeans, and I wear this... And a goatee. See, I thought he just looked like an oversized Gomer Pyle. Latino heat time. Racist signs in the crowd talk about Eddie mowing their lawn... And someone has a sign talking about Eddie stealing their hubcaps. So wonderful. They're probably not racist. They're probably telling the truth. Well, he does lie, cheat, and steal. That's right. Which would be his big, uh, his theme song later on. And I mean, they did at one point in time do an excerpt. Him and Chavo, they did a video of like them riding lawnmowers down the street. That doesn't make it right, though, Patrick. It's, I'm just uh, saying. Yeah. You know, they they went around mowing women's lawns. You know, I think one of them like served, paid him with sex or something. They like they did all they so. You know, 
The reason for this feud, Eddie cost Benoit a chance at the title after he belt-shotted him in the fatal four-way match to determine who would face uh, the big show tonight. So, I, I saw this right here. I saw these two men walk out and realized, oh my god, this pay-per-view just took it to a whole nother level. <laughs> well, my, any time you can get the two of them. Well, but my only problem is that the the feud isn't hot enough that's to justify. True. Like the true. crowd is dead for that's this. True. Uh, the crowd just doesn't care. Really. That's true. It's not. But when you can still, man, it's well, no different from WCW. It's no different from ECW. When you can throw a Dean Malenko or an Eddie Guerrero or Chris Benoit together in a match, man, it's it's magic. So Chris Benoit is out next. Michael Cole sells this as a sort of a number one contenders match. It was not, by the way, Michael Cole. This is all about, if if this was in 2018, they would call it a match for momentum. That's their big catchphrase now, momentum. Wasn't Eddie, he was he was tag champion, right? He was a tag yes, champion. with Chavo, yes. That's what I thought, yeah. This was during the, the run with Chavo. Okay. Because Chavo interferes in this match, so. Benoit goes for a hammerlock, Eddie goes for the leg. Eddie chops Benoit a couple times, they go to the mat. Benoit hits a big back body drop on Eddie and then turns it into a chin lock. Short arm scissors from Eddie to Benoit. Benoit rolls through this and deadlifts Eddie up and over his back to slam him to get out of the uh, short arm scissors. They have a chop exchange where when these guys chop each other, they are they're going oh, full man. force. Benoit gets locked in a head scissors. Boring chance breakout. Which uh, is a, 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 an atrocity. No, I think they had they they were justified here early on. I don't a lot of this mat-based stuff is kind of boring. And uh, they would pick it up. They would, they would get See, their See, I love chain wrestling, though. Of I, course I, you do, yes. I do! I like the William Regals. I like the Dean Malenko's. Boring. I like chain wrestling. No. I like going... I like Matt-based wrestling. I enjoy well, that. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle's great, but he does other stuff. He did a moonsault in his match later tonight, so it wasn't like he was always... Well, some bitch wasn't doing it at the 96 Olympics! If I go to a shoot wrestling match, well, yes, I, I'm expected to like chain wrestling. If I go to a WWE match, I need to see some fists. I need to see some violence, you know? I don't I don't like locks. Well, you're going to get a ton of that later on. Eddie hits a massive plancher from the top turnbuckle out to Benoit on the floor. He got a lot of hang time on this one. Eddie then rolls Benoit in and focuses on Benoit's knee, which would not come into play in this match at all. Another problem, slight problem I had with this match is the same thing we pointed out on last week's show is focusing on a body part and then it having no impact in the match. Benoit then gets Eddie's back and hits five German suplexes in a row, which would have made me throw up, I think. And after the fifth one, finally got some applause from this quiet crowd. They finally woke up after five Germans in a row. Well, it's only 9,000 people, so I mean... Yeah, that's true. Benoit calls for the flying headbutt and blows snot on Eddie, which, man, that is so gross. <laughs> Eddie starts stirring, so Benoit abandons that plan. Benoit hits two more Germans to Eddie before Eddie crawls to the ropes... Benoit goes for a powerbomb, Eddie slips out, and hits triple Germans to Benoit, and then a snap suplex. Frog splash, he nails it, but Benoit kicks out at two. They end up brawling outside, and Eddie distracts the ref while Chavo runs down and belt shots Chris Benoit. I Right here, I don't know why Eddie doesn't take the count out win. He could have just rolled in the ring and taken the win. Again, heels, heels psychology here. Not really understanding this. So Eddie, he breaks his own ten count, rolls Benoit in the ring, Covers him, but only gets a two count. Benoit tries a vertical suplex. Eddie slips out, locks in the lasso from El Paso, 
And Benoit screams in pain but makes it to the bottom rope. Benoit hits a massive powerbomb to Eddie. Benoit goes up for the headbutt. Chavo cuts him off. Benoit simply punches Chavo a couple times. That takes care of him. This allows Eddie to wake up, go to superplex Benoit, but Benoit knocks him down, hits the flying headbutt. So Eddie rolls out of a pinning attempt, puts Benoit back in the lasso from El Paso, but Benoit counters it into a crossface. Benoit then rolls him into the middle of the ring and gets a tap out. So there you go. Beautiful match. Justice served. Benoit overcame two heels. Uh, interference. Took Eddie's finisher, kicked out of it, and uh, Eddie tapped out to his. So Beautiful match. I think it was beautiful from about the last third onward. Maybe halfway through. The first half I didn't care for that much. And part of why I wasn't invested was because of how quiet the crowd was. And that's because, like I said, this feud didn't have much behind it other than... Yeah. He cost him a shot at the title. Well, he's not getting a shot either, so... And this isn't a number one contenders match, so... But had I known what was coming next, I would have been standing and, you know, all the whole match, I would have been into it because I knew it was time for a piss break after this. Stephanie and Heyman are both backstage and both say lines they'll regret. I love that Chris Benoit. That line doesn't hold up well in 2018. Heyman tries to talk to Stephanie out of lifting Brock's suspension. So Brock was suspended after taking out the entire SmackDown roster on one night of SmackDown. He was very upset over losing that title belt. He was. Stephanie, by the way, this is very odd. This is her office, and she's sitting on her desk talking to Paul. Not behind it. Not in the nice, comfy chair. No, I'll sit on the desk when I talk to you. Stephanie says, hey, not only is Brock not suspended, he can be in Kurt Angle's corner. Heyman says Big Show will break Brock Lesnar's neck. I say here to Paul Heyman, just give it a few months and Brock will nearly break his own neck. Just let it happen naturally. (laughs) And now it's time to not be a wrestling show anymore because that wasn't any fun. It's the Al Wilson, Don Marie, Tori Wilson love triangle coming up next. The storyline here is that Don Marie uh, wanted to marry Al Wilson, Tori Wilson's father. Correct. And uh, Tori was not along for the ride. She did not want this to happen. I don't know why. Why does it matter? Do whatever. Would you want Don as your stepmother? Yes, I would. <laughs> no, uh, uh, it doesn't matter. That's so fucked up. No, just you answered that way too quickly. Way too that made me uncomfortable. Tori Wilson is an adult, and her father's an adult, and he can do what he wants. I don't understand. So anyway, Tori Wilson doesn't like this, so Don Marie says, you know what, if you come over to my hotel room, and you do what I say, then maybe I won't marry your father. And Tori, of course, goes along with it, because why not? So Al Wilson, after this, still wants to marry Don Marie, even knowing that his daughter sacrificed whatever in a hotel room. Al Wilson's still like, sure, I'll still marry you. So, of course, Tori's very upset. So upset that she didn't even come to the pay-per-view tonight. To... And she's on the cover of the poster for Yes, the she is the cover athlete. But ah, she's too busy to come by tonight. So, Don Marie comes out with Al Wilson. Don has a sex tape uh, with Tori, apparently. And she wants to show it to us. So, thanks. <laughs> Great, as I'm sitting here with my dad or my mom or my sister or maybe i brought my girlfriend this would be very uncomfortable (laughs) for me personally i know that some people have uh like i knew my friend chad him and his dad they were best buds and they they'd look at playboys or whatever not like in that way but they would just okay it was fine if they saw movies with nudity they were cool it wasn't uncomfortable for them to see that now in movies when i when it happened when i saw with my father he was he was the worst. I mean, if it, if their boobies popped up on screen, it was all hell hit the hit the fan. It was just very uncomfortable. And so I would hate to be in this arena 
as a especially as a kid or whatever and be with my parents or uh even as an adult like i've watched some of these shows with my girlfriend i would not watch this show with my girlfriend because of this i would have to fast forward past this part because it's uncomfortable it's just wrong it's wrong to put us as wrestling fans in this position so anyway <laughs> don wants to show us our sex tape and uh the crowd apparently is all for it the crowd all nine thousand of them they say you know what we paid our money let's see it <laughs> So Don says, roll the tape, and this production truck, I guess, you know... He has to do what he's told, so... <laughs> yeah, I guess she's the boss, and so they roll it. It's amazing, this the sex tape is, is very wonderfully produced. I mean, they had a whole camera crew show up, and they didn't seem to notice them standing there, and they're in lighting rigs. It's a really nice hotel room, too. Everyone's been buzzing about... What really happened in room 357 between Tori Wilson and me? There have been so many questions about that night, like, how far did Tori really go? You asked me that question. And just how hot is that footage you're about to show? Oh, it's hot, it's hot! All right, let's see it. Don't, come on, put it on. And was Tori Wilson everything I said she was? Was she a sexual predator? Come on, enough of the talk. I heard they went all the way, Cole. All the way. Well, the fact is, Tori Wilson isn't here tonight. That's because she was embarrassed. But she's still got the footage, she's right? She's ashamed. She's hiding. But I'm not hiding. I'm right here. In the flesh. To show you all what I promised. So if you will, please, I present what happened at 357. I guess you love your father after all. Now, if you do everything I want you to do, the wedding will be off. I guess you don't love your father after all. That's better. You look a little uncomfortable. Champagne will make you feel better. Feeling a little frisky tonight, aren't we? You like strawberries, Tori. Oh, come on, Tori. Those aren't the rules. They're sweet. You'll like them. I promise body is so strong, soft, that I can't see it. You're so beautiful and sexy. That a girl. You smell like strawberries. Tori, all men want you, but they can't give you what I can. Only a woman knows how to make another woman feel good. Let me show you. What I think happened here, what I would venture to guess about this segment is that this was shot originally for SmackDown. SmackDown, UPN, or whatever channel it was on said, Fuck, no, you're not airing that on our station. So Vince said, well, by God, I'll air it on my pay-per-view. I'll show you. So I think this got cut from a TV show. So they couldn't air it on TV. So they said, okay, well, we shot this thing. We're going to get some miles out of it. And so that's why it's in the middle after a Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero match. The two polar opposites, you know, two very serious pro wrestlers that loved great in-ring work. Oh, yeah. And then you no. go to sports entertainment. This is North and South Pole at its, at its very best. I mean, this is completely directionally opposite. 
So we go all the way around to the hotel room. Don offers Tori some champagne, and Tori drinks the whole thing, which is always a good take a drink from a stranger and drink the whole thing. That's a great message to send to the kids. <laughs> Don then gets some strawberries, tries to feed them to Tori. Tori doesn't want him at first, but she takes a bite out of it. And then Don eats the whole thing, which is supposed to be impressive, I guess. It's a little <laughs> strawberry. Anyway, then Don starts raping Tori. No, just kidding. She unzips Tori's jacket to reveal that Tori, despite not wanting to go along with this, showed up with nothing underneath her jacket, by the way. She wasn't wearing a shirt at all, just a red bra. So then Don goes ahead and says, well, you let me do that. So then Don... Pulls Tori's skirt off, and Tori, what's funny is, you watch her hands, and she has to make sure that her underwear doesn't come off with this skirt that Don Marie was pulling off as well. So she kind of gets nervous there for a second that this is actually going to be what we were told it was going to be. <laughs> so then, she's there in her bra and panty set, and Don tells Tori, You smell like strawberries. And I'm like, I wonder why. You just fed her one. Of course she smells like strawberries. Don then takes her own robe off, revealing her bra. Only a woman knows how to make another woman feel good. Let me show you. <laughs> That's what Don said. These words were spoken. So then... Are you really doing play by play on of this Of course, one? yes. Don starts kissing Tori's cheek. They share a kiss. Back at the arena, Don says, Freeze the footage! This gets booed, of course. Don says, How hot was that? And Al Wilson, in his great acting, says, I think we've seen enough. (laughs) Don says, It's going to go further, so check it out. Al says, No, please, Don, do not play that more footage, please, no. Al says, I don't give a damn if the people want more. Don says... Uh, Al says we're going to stop, so we're going to stop. But then she says, you know what? I don't want to upset my little Bobo. The crowd then chants asshole. She says he's not an asshole. Don says, I proved my point. Tori is just a sexual predator. Of course, yeah, Tori is the bad person here somehow. (laughs) Don says, hey, Al, let's go make a sex tape. Okay, and then they leave. So I skipped over the part, I think. Uh, She does throw back to the tape at one point, and they're just, like, wearing the face off each other. So Tori, who did not want to take part in this, goes ahead and makes out with Don Marie. And that's as far as they show us. So wonderful. So what what we've had told to us is that a woman was forced against her will into a hotel room. Why are you even discussing Don this? Marie is basically a sexual predator, and then Tori, instead of being a victim and being totally freaked out, begins to like her abductor, basically. So, okay, wonderful messages sent all the way around. That, that apparently is going to be her stepmother as well. It would be, yes. They had a big uh, wedding on SmackDown. Sadly, Al Wilson would pass away in storyline. After a night of sex with Don Marie. That's how this ended. So there you go. And then they were all real fighting each other on top of his casket. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Why are we discussing this? And they, you know what's this fun- is This is almost as bad as Katie Vick. I'm sorry, but this... Well, at least these people are alive. <laughs> I mean, Al isn't at that point in the rivalry, but they at least didn't have an Al Wilson mannequin that they... <laughs> put on a... Don didn't put on a Tory mask and then sodomize an Al Wilson doll, so we have that. (laughs) Jerry Lawler loved this segment, so he says he's very pissed off that Al did that, and JR says he won't ever look at a strawberry the same way again. Thank you, JR. Well, I love how Lawler says that, you know, he'd go down there and he'd give him a piece of his mind, except he can't stand up right now. 
Shawn Michaels. What the man said. I don't understand what he means by that, but, you know, whatever. I don't want to speculate. Shawn Michaels is shown backstage stretching for his big match. So maybe maybe he was taking lessons from the Bret Hart, you know, hype video for uh, Iron Man. They should have shown him in a pool, just lounging around in a pool, getting yeah. ready for Triple H. Just doing some, some slow jogging <laughs> on the side of a road, you know. Yeah. Kane is out next. He's taking on the animal Batista, who has Ric Flair as a manager. It's Batista's pay-per-view debut, and you can tell. Oh, God. The two big men brawl, and Kane clotheslines Big Dave to the floor. Batista tries a scoop slam. Kane escapes, slams Batista, gets a two-count. Spear from Batista for a two-count. Now, by the way, where was Kane at? This was already after the Katie Vick angle, so he's nothing. He's dead in the water. Uh, Triple H already took his IC belt and unified it, so the only possible baby face, he was coming back from an injury. He was supposed to be a big player. Nope. Triple H saw to that, that he would go right back down the card. So, that's where he was at in December of 2002. Kane and Flair go at it for a minute, and Kane takes Flair out. Then we get a sidewalk slam from Kane to Batista. Batista goes for the Batista bomb and nearly dumps Kane on his neck to a chorus of boos. Luckily, Batista didn't drop him, and Kane escaped with his life as, uh, Batista. Dude, this is your finishing move. This is the one thing you should not fuck up, like... Fuck up some of that other stuff you don't do all the time, but... And he wouldn't learn, because we've seen a WrestleMania that he had with Umaga, where he was still fucking up this move years later. Yeah. Much better in Hollywood, Dave. Kane hits a flying clothesline to Batista, but Flair distracts the ref. Batista hits a sidewalk slam for two. It chokeslam to Batista from Kane. Flair distracts the ref. Kane beats on Flair and gets a big boot on him. This allows Batista to hit a Batista bomb and wins the match. Not a very uh, impressive debut for Big Dave Batista here. I'd actually rather go back and see Don and Tori over this shit. Yeah, this was uh, really bad. But you uh, okay? You have you have talent talented athlete, the likes of Kane. You have the greatest of all time in Ric Flair, and you still couldn't piece together some sort of a halfway decent match. If I was to rebook this pay per view, I probably would have penciled Batista in with like RVD because I think a smaller man would have been better. For- I, I never liked Batista to begin with. He was on SmackDown, so I don't even... And I wasn't watching much around this time. And uh, he was an awesome character in the video games, so that's... But looking at him, you wonder how they couldn't possibly get to Brock and Batista having a match. Because it looks like... They look like oh, yeah. mirrors, you know, yeah. of one another. It looks One guy's got blonde hair, one guy's got black hair. Like, they should have... I can't believe they never got to it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really crazy. And then, you know, when Dave came back, I mean... Brock was in the company, and they still couldn't get to it. Team up with Evolution again. And so. why in the world were not, you know, Dave's wanting to come back again? Yeah, he wanted to be in that uh, mixed tag with Ronda, and they told him no. I think it would have sucked if he was in it, oh, not God, Kurt. So. Kurt Angle, speaking of Kurt, is backstage. This is literally this segment, by the way. Kurt Angle asked Funaki where Brock Lesnar's dressing room is. And that's it. That was, we went backstage, so you could see that. He's holding in his hand a videotape, a VHS tape. Uh-oh. He made a tape, too? A VHS tape. Yes. We would see what was on it later on. What is a VHS tape, kids? This is a... <laughs> it's what you record sex on in the 90s. Apparently so. Yo, yo, yo. Doctor of Thugonomics and B-Squared are coming out next. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Who are they going to wrestle? This is going to be awesome. Nope. No wrestling. Nope. Instead, John Cena comes out to freestyle to us, and uh, I'll include it here, but here's all I got from it. 
flipping burgers, serving fries, finding bra size, and then piss off Eric Bischoff and Marsha Brady. What's up with that? Yo, 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 yo. Everybody knows I got a master's degree in thugonomics. Word life. So kick that beat off so me and B Squared can kick the freestyle acapella. No beat. No beat. Listen up. Surprise. We right here before your eyes. All you women want me. I'm the envy of all you guys. Ask because you rely on flipping burgers and serving fries. Your girl's with us. I'm about to find her bra size. It's a new era, a new message that we sending. It starts tonight, right here at Armageddon. No sweating. I don't care who I piss off. From Stephanie McMahon straight over to Eric Bischoff. We never soft. We never leave a man standing. You either deal with me or with Bling Bling Buchanan. We the man, son, and we attacking this arrangement. The new centerpiece of world wrestling entertainment. And for all of you foes who think that you can throw blows, Y'all wind up like Marsha Brady saying, oh, my nose, and I'm out. That's what I took away from Mr. Cena's rap, (laughs) the doctor of thugonomics. That was it. So we've had two throwaway segments on this show that meant nothing. That's right. Bob Buchanan. B squared. He didn't contribute to the rap. John Cena was smart to not. When John Cena goes in the Hall of Fame, though, B squared should be there putting his buddy in. See, I do agree with that. I think a shocker would be Bull Buchanan walks out and inducts him. That would just be great. One thing v, uh, one thing VHS tapes do, you can fast forward them, which is what this triple threat hardcore match with the women, they were told to go out there and go as fast as they can because they blew through their spots in this next match. That's true. By the way, I just want to remind you, it's called a triple threat hardcore match. Would that come into play in the match? Not no. a damn bit. They forgot because they I, they they were told your match has been cut for time. Go 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 go. That's what they must have been told. To the point that Victoria had the champion had to run to the ring. Yes, this was very interesting. So Victoria won the belt last month. Victoria, she likes to bite the nails off other women. She stole Jacqueline's tights, which I don't understand. That's gross. And then she lost in a non-title match to Jacqueline. Yes, Miss Jackie, you know, Mark Marrow's former uh, girlfriend on the show. Yeah, that's her. She's still with the company. The ref at that uh, episode of Raw we watched where Stone Cold walked out. That was the last time we saw her. Yep. Trish powerbombed uh, Victoria through a table. Oh, it's time to rock and roll as the Trish Lil' Kim song plays. Lil' Kim in 2018 this week declared bankruptcy. And also, on a side note, she knocked holes in Jim Johnston's floor when she came in to record this song because her high heels were so sharp and tall, they pierced right through his wooden floor. Really? Yeah, they fucked his studio up. Really? And he was still pissed about it when he was talking about this song. Like, it's the only time he had something to say that was, like, not about the music. He was like, still pissed she knocked holes in my floor. Jacqueline is out next. She's the original holder of this version of the women's belt, by the way. Victoria's out next. She's immediately thrown out, so Trish and Jackie can brawl. Jackie skins the cat after Trish tries to dump her out, but gets kicked out anyway by Victoria. Jackie hits a nice leg sweep to Victoria for two. Trish tries the Stratisfaction, but Victoria and Jackie double-team her. Victoria superplexes Trish, but lands on her neck. Ouch. Jackie breaks the cover. Jackie hits a flying head scissors to Victoria. Jackie and Trish wishbone Victoria. 
Trish hits a top turnbuckle cross to Jackie for two. Victoria's kicked outside by Jackie. Trish hits her handstand arana, as I call it, to Jackie, followed by a neckbreaker. Then Jackie gets a chick kick from Trish for two before Victoria breaks it up. Victoria rolls outside the ring, belt shots Trish as she goes for a cover on Jackie, and then just rolls in, covers Jackie, one, two, three, that's it. She also hid the belt shot for some reason in this hardcore triple threat match, which triple threat matches are usually no DQ anyway, and this was a hardcore match. You don't have to hide your belt shot, but she did, because they have no time. This triple threat match, I think, took less time than the sex tape segment, so... (laughs) This took 4 minutes and 28 seconds. That sex tape definitely went longer. So there's your women's revolution in 2002. We have time for you to make out. We'll give you 10 minutes to make out and 4 minutes for your match. How's that? Anyway, Brock is with Kurt Angle, who's with a VCR and a tube television. Both things you can find at your local thrift store. Angle and a tra- VHS. A VHS tape. Ladies and gentlemen, kids that were born from 2000 onward probably do not know what a VHS tape is anymore. Angle tries to sympathize with Brock over losing the belt at Survivor Series. He says, come be in my corner and you'll be only 20 feet away from Paul Heyman. Only 20 feet away from Big Show. Come on, buddy. Brock says, you won't regret getting my suspension lifted. And so then Angle's like, what does that mean? Are you going to be in my corner? And Brock's like, you won't regret it. And then Angle, as he leaves, says, oh, I'm just going to put in this tape for you. You can watch it on your own. I know that the memory of Survivor Series still stings, Brock. You know damn well you're about to beat the big show and retain the WWE title. Brock, you did the unthinkable. You hoisted a 500-pound man up over your shoulders and leveled him with an F5. That's incredible, Brock. You had him beat. The ref was about to count one, two, three. But then Paul Heyman got involved and interfered and cost you the WWE title. Brock, If you're in my corner tonight, you're going to be 20 feet away from Paul Heyman. 20 feet away from him. You're going to be 20 feet away from the man that you put your trust and loyalty into. You'll be 20 feet away from the man that screwed you out of the WWE title, Brock. That's right. If you're in my corner tonight, you'll be 20 feet away from retribution. Kurt, I don't exactly know how much you were involved with getting my suspension lifted last week. But you won't regret it. Does this mean you're going to be in my corner tonight? I said you won't regret it. Well, maybe this will help make up your mind, Brock. And magically, this tape was queued up to the exact moment in the match when Heyman turned on Lesnar and cost him the belt. At at Survivor Series. Yes. He somehow got a bootleg copy of Survivor Series. That's right. Because I doubt it was on VHS by now in December. It usually took a little longer. Pretty sure it wasn't on VHS to begin with, period. Pretty sure it was on DVD. He dubbed it off (laughs) pay-per-view. He he rolled on it. You know, he ignored that warning about recording it. So Angle and Big Show is next. Brock beat up everyone on SmackDown, got a suspension for like three weeks, I guess. So that's the story with him. Big Show jumped Angle after he won the number one contender, Fatal 4-Way. And that's your feud, another weak feud that's on this show. Big Show is out first, never a good sign for the champ to come out first. The crowd doesn't do the you suck chance for Angle because he's facing the Big Show 
Fuck the Big Show. Because we all know the Big yeah, Show. Yeah, anybody but Big Show. In fact, he gets Let's Go Angle Chance. Yes, the guy that they were screaming you suck at a few months before. Now it's Let's Go Angle. Please. Help Please. us. Big Show dumps Angle out of the ring from a fireman's carry onto his own manager. Big Show, you are an idiot. Do not dump a wrestler onto your manager. What are you thinking? Angle sneaks around and dumps Show out. And Big Show smacks Kurt's chest with his big hand and rolls him into the ring. Big Show throws him out again with one hand. Big Show clotheslines Angle a few times. Hits a vertical suplex to Kurt, which I was scared Big Show wasn't going to stand back up from. Angle then runs into a sidewalk slam from the former giant and then kicks out at two. Angle fires up, jawbreaker, strikes, but gets the final cut from Big Show, which is not Goldust's final cut. Instead, it's Big Show's final cut, which is a spinning headlock elbow drop which was the move to try to get over because he his knees were not good so he couldn't do the choke slam anymore so as as bad as i thought this move you know was why his knees were too good because he had fucking tripled in size and this was this man was big <laughs> dude this was like unhealthy scary big this was getting yokozuna freakishly big so naturally a man of that size goes to the bear hug for kurt angle because you know that's what he does there's a website, by the way, that has every bear hug in history on it. It's like called bearhugger.net. And really? Just not even from wrestling, but from like TV shows. It's people that are into bear hugs. I don't know. It's it's a thing. I don't know. Angle hops on Big Show's back with a chin lock. Big Show drops to one knee, but throws Angle off of him. Angle plants Big Show with a tornado DDT, which Big Show can't sell properly. He He's not going. He can't do this. So he just kind of flops to the mat, and so Taz covers for Angle, saying he didn't quite get all of it. So then Angle takes Big Show back down with a drop kick to his legs and a kick right in the face. Angle climbs a turnbuckle, hits a missile drop kick for two. Then he tries a moonsault, which I think was supposed to miss, but Big Show can't get out of the way because he's big and he's the Big Show. So he doesn't get out of the way in time, and he gets kicked in the shoulders from the moonsault. I think he was actually supposed to catch Kurt. He wasn't supposed to get out of the way. He was supposed to catch him. I don't know what he was supposed to do, but it looked like shit. Big Show goes for a powerbomb. Thankfully, Angle punches out of it. He hits an Olympic slam for two. Angle rips his straps down, but Show tries a choke slam. Angle rolls it into the ankle lock. Show tries to grab Mike Kyoto. Boots Angle into him instead, so Kyoto's down. Heyman throws a chair in for Big Show. We want Brock chance as the crowd finally gets into this match. They want Brock. Not very heroic of Angle to want Brock's help to win, by the way, but Angle tries for a chair shot, but Show punches the chair. The second time, though, is the charm. Angle connects, covers Big Show, but Kyoto takes another ref bump. Holy hell, what a chair shot to the head. Then Ankle Lock from Angle to Show, and then A-Train. What are you doing here? He's back, even though he was murdered with a chair earlier. <laughs> He's alive and well. He hits a big backbreaker over his shoulder to Angle. Then he runs into the crowd, and uh-oh, what I'm thinking is A-Train and Angle at Mania is all set up here. That's what I'm thinking they've got for Kurt Angle. It's A-Train. Luckily not. Choke slam to Angle. Brock runs in, hits an F5 to Big Show for a huge reaction. It is impressive. I mean, this dude... Oh, it was... I'm telling you, Big Show is so fucking... <laughs> obesely out of out of sorts it's scary and then brock chases paul Heyman to the back angle crawls over to big show covers him for the big win and we have a title change and the crowd went nuts kurt angle gets all nine thousand of them yeah he gets his third <laughs> title reign by basically not doing much of anything in this match well i mean he did a lot well shit he wrestled he a tree do, yes that's what i was gonna say about this match actually it was like 
man, you just had to bump around Big Show. Like, just God. bump around him. <laughs> like, he had to wrestle a tree. This was Haystack's Calhoun kind of wrestling match. Like, Big Show couldn't do much. This is the same guy that used to hit a missile drop kick off the top rope. Yeah, in WCW, yeah. Like, th- it just blows my mind. I understand, like... Or he used to do those stinger splashes where he'd, like, go almost sailing over like, the... And he fucking... He would catch air. And I just think it... I mean, I know age kind of slows you down a little bit, but damn! I mean, it hadn't really even been that long. I mean, since his day... He'd only been in the business at this point six years. Yeah. And he's already slowed down that much. I mean, and just and he taking that much once, punishment. Once he, well, once he lost the weight, though, he's picked right back up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this last run that he had is probably actually, I think, the best that he's had in WWE. It's pretty sad, but I agree. The best he's looked. I mean, his his just the weight was really, really hurting him. But you could tell right here and now he's like, "Fuck this! I'm the biggest guy in the company. Who gives a shit? I don't need to work out. I don't need to train. I don't need to." Because he's to got right. a job. He knows that he. Well, he thought, "Oh, I've got a job forever." And then they sent him down to OVW to lose weight and stuff. And then and then he realized, "Oh shit!" Yeah, this. I'm not. You know, I'm not bulletproof. I'm not. I'm no better than anybody else. In that Austin podcast with him, he kind of gets into that. Basically, how he. I think it's probably from getting in the business so young or whatever. I mean, I guess you could say the same for the Hardys that were like wrestling when they're sixteen or seventeen or like Big yeah, Show. But when you got when you got the likes, uh, I'm not throwing anybody on the bus. Here. When you <laughs> got the likes of Hogan, oh, telling you you're so great, and, and you Hall won the title in your like Nash. first match, and they're basically. telling you, dude, you're fucking, you're just, you're so awesome, you're this, you, fuck those guys, you, you, psh, they're nothing, and these guys are telling you, you need to work out, like you need to still try, you need to. The fuck? You got to put work you into got, this. You got this, dude. You. He grew up in you know WCW with you know the worst the, influences. Oh yeah. god, yeah. He was surrounded. You know, Kevin. Why you got? Why are you trying to work? Don't do more than they ask you to. Just do the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't turn out too good. Throw a drop kick off the top rope. See, what? But Nash for what? That makes no yeah. sense. <laughs> Nash had already had his heyday. So yeah. when he got to WCW, it's just kickback time. You know, but like. Yeah. Giant, yeah, Paul White. A really nice guy. It's Dude, he's an awesome guy, and I love him today. I think he's a great guy, personally. Yeah, no I, one ever talks any bad about him. He's other than, an awesome dude. I just, I see there was, there's so much potential. There was, yeah. Like, I'm not saying bigger than Hogan, but I'm saying, like, there was potential to, it was like a mixture of Hogan and Andre. You could run the entire world of wrestling with him if you really wanted to. Well, and also... But he had to stay straight and put in the work and the effort, too, and he did it. Well, and also, I mean, the way he was, like I say all the time, the way he was booked coming in, basically, costing McMahon that match on his debut, like... Made him look like a dumbass. Why didn't he come in as just a regular debut, you know, just a surprise on Raw, like Chris Jericho, a memorable debut? I mean, his debut was memorable, but I think for the wrong reasons, like... Well, this man was jacked, like... Around that time, you had Taker doing Biker Taker, if, if I remember right. No, was that, that was around? Uh, no, it was two thousand. That was ninety nine when he debuted. So in two thousand is when Taker started doing Biker Taker. Okay, yeah. I'm just saying, like, have him, have him just show up and start beating the shit out of somebody as they jump in the car or something, like, and have him flip a car over. Doing something. the Braun Strowman stuff. Doing the, yeah. yeah, something like that for a debut. Holy shit! Yeah. So. Well, and then show his range because you know. They they would use him for comedy and stuff, but like if 
if he could apply that same range to like serious stuff too at first, like it would have been good. I mean, he didn't have it. The dude wore a diaper. <laughs> He's the New Year's baby. Yeah, he came out as Hogan. He let Floyd Mayweather, you know, he knock let him Mayweather out. beat the shit out of him. He, now, I actually enjoyed the sumo match that he had at WrestleMania. I thought that was very, very well done. I actually, he lost that though. Yeah, he has a terrible WrestleMania record. Well, I mean, he he can't win that. That, but I still he that I can respect. But I mean, it just God, it's terrible. <laughs> Alright, moving forward. Yeah, so Rob Van Dam, great wrestler, Mr. Monday Night. All the fans were, oh, this is, this was supposed to be his year. Remember, he told us on Raw, this is, 2002 is the year of Rob Van Dam. That's right. He pointed to himself with his thumbs. Rob Van Dam, baby. He couldn't even get a spot on this pay-per-view. Instead, he's at the restaurant. He's being a waiter tonight at the World. So we go to him, and we say, hey, hey, Rob, we know you're not here. Who do you think will win the match? You know, the big title match you're not in? Who's going to win that? <laughs> Dude, I think HBK has Triple H's number, bro. Thanks, man. That's an awesome interpretation. JR, I've been in the ring with both of these guys, obviously. I know what they're capable of. No doubt it's going to be a classic. But, dude... I think HBK has Triple H's number. And personally, I would love to see it. Because no one enjoys watching Triple H get his ass beat more than Rob Van Dam. That's just the way they booked him. They, another one like, oh, jeez. They lost so much potential during this time. It's just so sad. Oh, Rob, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone must... They never wanted to give Rob a push. And I never... Fall to feet of Triple H. I, I... And I mean, when they did, it was years later, and then he got caught with pot two months into his title run. That was it. Done. That sucks. And, and God, man, the crowd... Lo- and another very talented athlete. I mean, the caliber... I'm putting you up there with Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Rob Van Dam. In a different way, yeah. Talented beyond comparison. I mean, he's just huge... Very talented athlete. Rob Van Dam says, Nobody enjoys watching Triple H get his ass beat more than Rob Van Dam, who lost to Triple H multiple times by this point. So (laughs) he'd never seen Triple H get his ass beat. So I guess that's one reason. So your three stages of hell for your main event. Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Street fight, steel cage, and of course both these men's specialties, the ladder match, especially Triple H. That's the three stages of hell. Will we get to a ladder match? I don't know. We brought a ladder. We brought the rope to hang up the title. I hope we get to it. A promo recaps the feud. We know what's going on. Triple H is out first. His quad is still taped up from Survivor Series. Won't slow him down at all tonight. Not a bit. Actually, it will, because this match was a lot slower than SummerSlam. Lots slower. Lots slower, Yes. Shawn Michaels, hey, he found his ring gear, everybody. No shit brown pants, uh, no blue jeans, uh, no tank top. Oh my goodness, Shawn found his old wrestling gear, the red tights, the classic Shawn Michaels Did you look. see the excerpt with the black, the black tights with the HBK on the side and on the ass? Did you see those from a, from a Raw that building into this pay-per-view? No. Did it have hearts on it? No. That's weird. You remember the HBK shirt, Don't Hunt What You Can't Kill? Yeah. Okay, it had that exact same HBK, and it was going down the sides of his pants and then across his ass. And it's and that's all that was there. Like, nothing on the front, <laughs> nothing. I love those tights, though. Like, they're just... It's so odd to see Shawn Michaels out of anything other than hearts. 
but they're badass looking tights. As simple and they're cool. As simple as they are, it's cool. I gotta find the raw and make you watch it just for Sean's tights. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Sean's tights come up a lot in this podcast, but. Man, he he had it on. He was on point tonight. He came out in his chaps and his little vest thing, and he even wore his little hat from back in the day. He did. Now, if he had had the big earring hanging off and the sunglasses, <laughs> that would have been awesome. Sean uh, struts in front of Ric Flair, who is also Triple H's manager. Maybe they're starting a faction here. I maybe. don't know. Maybe. So he struts in front of Flair to stir him up. So Flair starts losing his mind, and Earl says, "You're out of here." I love this shit. He pushes Earl, and Earl pushes him back, and Flair bumps for Earl Hapner. <laughs> Fucking bumps for Earl Hapner. How great is that shit? Flair, always doing his part. That is so. awesome, man. That is that is badass. But apparently you have to get thrown out for each stage of hell. This doesn't hold up for all three stages. It's only stages. for one match, oh, okay. yeah. It's, uh, it's only for one match. So. so just go back and come back later. We'll come see. back for match number two. You're fine. Sean skins the cat immediately from Hunter attempting to dump him out. Sean throws Hunter out instead. Hunter grabs a garbage can. Not to interrupt you, but you know how funny it'd been if he comes back out for match two. And gets thrown right right back out. That should have been a recurring thing, yeah. He's like, okay, now can I come? No. No, he's still thrown out. (laughs) All right, proceed. So now it's time, uh, Hunter immediately, this match right away, time for plunder. No, no wrestling here, just plunder. So Hunter goes, gets a garbage can, Sean tries to springboard nothing and misses Hunter and, uh, the garbage can. They brawl around the ring for a minute, Sean hits a crossbody off the second rope onto Hunter and the trash can that was on the floor. Sean gets a table. Man, he is really bad at setting up a table. He is very specific about locking in those legs. Gotta lock in those legs. What's well, a safety thing. Well, I guess because he knew who was going through that table later on, and he wanted to be damn sure it was right. Sean tries to suplex Hunter through the table, but Hunter punches out of it. Sean rolls Hunter into the ring and takes the garbage can to the second rope. He gets booted into his own face. Sean hits a crossbody from the second rope, and Hunter rolls through it for a near fall. Hunter sets up another table next to the one Sean had set up. He tries to suplex Sean from the ring through the tables, but Sean suplexes back in the ring instead. Hunter hits a high knee, grabs a chair... Hunter tries to hit a backbreaker to Sean on the chair, which we saw at our last match at SummerSlam. But Sean reverses it into a backbreaker of his own, and Hunter goes through the chair instead. Payback's fair play. They go outside, and Sean rams Hunter's back into the apron, and they both roll back in the ring. Sean smacks Hunter with a garbage can lid. Holy shit, dude. That was an intense smack. He calls for the super kick. Hunter grabs his leg and wrenches the knee of Sean. Hunter drives Sean's knee into the garbage can, slings it against the post... Hunter chop blocks Sean's leg and leg drops it. Figure four to Sean from Hunter. By the way, this injury doesn't come into play in the match either. Sean eventually reverses the pressure from the figure four. Trash can shot to the head of Sean from Hunter. He throws Sean out of the ring. They brawl on the ramp near the fire. So someone's going to get set on fire here. Hunter throws Sean into the metal part of the set. Hunter finds the two by four and barbed wire. He comes out to hit Sean with it. And he's like, no, no, this isn't good enough. So he goes back. This is the only reason the set was on fire all night he for this goes one spot. To the fire, and he takes this two by four, which is engulfed in barbed wire. We're not saying wrapped. I mean, this thing was popping like a damn trampoline in barbed wire. Lights it on fire. As Hunter's doing this, Earl says, "No, don't do that." He sounded like a condescending grandmother. Sean kicks it away from Hunter, and instead, Sean decks Hunter in the face with it. 
Hunter is, of course, busted open from the 2x4 shot. Well, yeah. Sean brings Hunter back to the ring, smacks him in the face with the trash can lit again. By the way, this 2x4 almost set the guardrail on fire. Well, when, yeah, when he missed, when Sean blocked him, okay, Triple H, instead of dropping it, flings it, okay? Well, he flings it to the fans. <laughs> yeah, it lays against the guardrail. And it lays against the guardrail of this kid that is literally leaning over to try to play in the fire. And so Sean immediately has to run back over there, grab it, and pull it away from the kid. And then Sean hits him and drops it far distance away from fans, which was great. But I, when was the last time you saw two by four wrapped in barbed wire on and fire? On here. fire. Well, it would have been uh, one night stand two thousand six. Did they use it in that McFoley and uh, Edge match or whatever that they were tagging for it? Well, I was gonna say the Hell in the Cell cactus, no way out. Oh yeah, and then uh, and then yeah that that uh, I know the tables were on fire, but that I... WrestleMania Edge and Foley, but that's it. That's all I can remember. Sean brings Hunter back to the ring, smacks him in the face with a trash can lid again. He sets up a chair in the ring, but Hunter drop toe holds Sean into it, and then DDT Sean tries a pedigree. Sean low blows him, hits a flying forearm, kips up, but Hunter chop blocks him again. Pedigree one two three, and Hunter wins the first fall as he is the master of the street fight. So, Sean down 1-0. Time for their next match. Hunter grabs another table. Now, Hunter, the cage starts descending from the ceiling, and Hunter goes and gathers up all the plunder he can find. This was great strategy. As the cage is lowering from the ceiling, stock up. Get all you can. And so, he brings tables in and a million chairs, and he's going to get nice and ready for this match. Leans a table in the corner as the cage lowers all the way down. Hunter catapults Sean into the cage. Hunter busts Sean open with strikes and a trash can lid shot. Then he grinds Sean's face against the cage and rams him into it. The crowd tries to bring Sean back into the match. Sean wakes up, throws Hunter into the cage a couple times, clotheslines him, Fez pressing those rabbit punches. So one thing Sean's not good at is his punching. Hunter says, fuck this, I'll just leave. So he tries to go over the cage. Sean tries to bring him back. They brawl on top of the cage, and Ric Flair has returned. As, like I said, bands only count per match, I guess, so... He's fine now. So Flair has returned and set up multiple tables in addition to the ones that Hunter and Sean set up. So now there's like four of them outside the cage. Stacked on top of each other. It's like, it, yeah, I don't, Ric Flair must have been busy doing this because I, I don't think the camera caught him setting all these. I don't think he did it. I almost think. Yeah, no, stage. he set it up. He did. Okay. Sean and Hunter then brawl back into the cage. Sean hits his elbow drop to Hunter. Flair opens the cage door, grabs a chair, and just comes into this match. Yeah. The whole point of the cage to keep people out. Yeah, just come right in. As he just moved a referee out of the way and opened the door and walked right in. Triple H says, you know what, I'm going to leave again. So he tries for the door, but Sean stops him, takes the chair from Flair, Dex Hunter, Dex Rick. Flair does a blade job in this match that he wasn't even booked in. A huge yeah. blade job. And gets thrown into the cage, and his head gets grated against the steel, so he should have just stayed backstage. God, and holy shit, the puddle of blood he's leaving. The trail of blood he's leaving. He did the best blade job out of these guys. Out of all three of them. Hunter tries another pedigree, gets back body drops. Sean super kicks Flair, super kicks Hunter. But instead of escaping, this dumbass, Sean, is like, oh, I'll just go get a table. So he gets the table out of the corner, puts Hunter on it. He climbs to the top of the cage and hits the big splash through Hunter. He thought he was Jimmy Superfly Snooker for a minute. And hit the big splash through Hunter and gets the next fall. As one, two, three, 
Hunter didn't kick out from that, which I'm surprised he didn't, because honestly, I'm sure he probably lobbied to kick out of that. Now it's a ladder match, so the cage goes right back to the ceiling, and the refs string up the belt. Sean brings the ladder into the ring, props in the corner, whips Hunter into it, rams the ladder into Hunter's head, throws the ladder on Hunter's back. He suplexes Hunter on the ladder. Sean instead, again, messes up bad here. Sean, instead of going for the belt, mounts the ladder near the corner, and the JR and King are like, you can't get the belt from there. What are you doing? And he goes for the big splash again because it worked the first time. What could possibly happen? WrestleMania 10 all over again. Yeah. He misses the splash. Hunter pedigrees him. Hunter sets up the ladder in the middle and goes for Big Goldie. But here comes Sean, one last time. Ribs Triple H off by the tights, off the ladder. Super kicks him out of the ring. Sean climbs to the top, and the camera gets super tight on Sean Michaels as he's about to grab the belt. He's got it. It's done. Sean Michaels will retain. But Hunter ran all the way around the ring, came in, shoves the ladder over. Sean goes crashing through all those tables they had worked so hard on tonight, those Lego tables. He goes through all of them. And this... As Hunter just... And this don't try this at home. Yeah, yeah, this highlight is forever etched in the don't try it at home video. As Hunter climbs the ladder slowly and just grabs the belt. The one month title reign has come to an end. All that work we saw at Elimination Chamber, that's gone. Fuck that. Very Right? Gotta get that belt back to Triple H immediately. Hunter's gotta have that belt. So that's how it ends. Two to one, Hunter wins the three stages of hell match. As uh, this match was not as good as SummerSlam. I think that's pretty easy to say. And I don't think it was... uh, Too many spots. It was too spot-filled. It didn't flow normally like SummerSlam. Where they talk their way through it. They just weren't moving as fast. Things weren't fluid. And then they spent a lot of time setting those tables up. And the Ric Flair interference, you know... Like, this match, especially during the cage portion, if you're going to do that interference, do it during the ladder match. Like, I know that... Ric Flair just wanted to blade and wanted to be Ric Flair or whatever, but the point of the cage match, the point of this feud was not about Ric Flair at all. Like, I almost think he shouldn't have, they shouldn't have had the run and just had Triple H because this is the last, this is the last time, Patrick, we will never see these two in the ring again. Yeah. This is the blow off to this feud. So I kind of think that the interference shouldn't have happened, uh, but they went ahead and did it anyway. I think they should have waited for this match and done it at Rumble and done something in the in-between time here. That would have given Hunter time to heal. He can still get his belt back at Royal Rumble and be right on his way to whatever he wants, you know, to Booker T at WrestleMania 19. But, uh, well, yeah, because Sean was spinning off to go and work Jericho at 19. So Right, and I probably would have... I, I would have booked this thing totally different, and it really sucks that you just beat the only legitimate babyface you had on Raw. Like, you've already... Squashed him. Yeah, you've exhausted it. Like, we've seen it. Like, he lost. It's over. Like, and you've already run through RVD and Kane, like, the two other people that were, like, in that spot. You had Jeff Hardy. Ah, he's on heat. Fucking around with D'Lo Brown. So, like, potentially new ones coming up. Ah, they're not there. Then Jericho's a heel in a tag team, so he's distracted. You just don't have anybody. There's nobody. So call Scott Steiner. And that's what they did. You know, because when you think Big Papa Pump, babyface. Coming to save the day. Scott Steiner's on Survivor Series a month before this pay-per-view. And he's not even on this pay-per-view. What did he do at Survivor Series? Was he in the chamber? Came out and said he was a free agent. Oh, yeah. He just, yeah. He tore through some guys. Or he tore through Matt Hardy V1. 
and said he was uh, he's in he's a free agent. Walks the fuck out, and you didn't see him for two more months. He just wanted people to know it and that you know be ready because Big Papa Pump is coming down. So yeah, that was the next babyface option for them. That's just ridiculous. And then I guess they knew they had Goldberg right around the corner, so that's what they wanted. Yeah, Goldberg to. right around the corner, and then you had uh, we had Austin returning because here it is. You're walking into Austin Rock WrestleMania 19. Oh right, yeah. So I guess they thought maybe they'd have him for longer than what they ended up getting. So he worked with Eric Bischoff. Another another great use of a pro wrestler with three matches left, basically. Two of them went to Eric Bischoff. So yeah, a lot of mistakes were made here. Uh, part of that, I think, is because they didn't have competition from WCW, and fuck you. That's what it all comes down It came down to Triple H is running things now. It's his world, and I think this is when the product it really went downhill for a while. I just hate to say it. I think this is when a lot of people just gave up. I think this is sort of when the Attitude Era came to an end. One match in a segment... That was the only storyline. Was the only storylines out of a pay per view? That come on, man. It's that, pretty sad. Yeah, when the rest were just I interfered in a match. Let's have a match. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love. Don't get me wrong. I love this pay per view. It's a must watch. I enjoy the hell out of it. <sighs> I don't know that I'd recommend this one. I really. Think, the th- yeah, the three the three stages of hell alone is making. I don't really think it's that great. I don't think it's a great. I think it's it's just drags, man. It got really tiresome, and it's forty minutes. And it's. If you want to see a bad Eddie Benoit match? This is one you. you uh, no, see. I think this is this is actually better than ECW One Night Stand 2005. That really? Was, yeah. Are you serious? That match wasn't that great. I thought they didn't work very well together. That, match. that was when they hated each other. Well, I thought that match the the last half of it of that match was really good. I think the uh, if you could sus- if you could suspend disbelief and. Basic wrestling knowledge that you have been taught from years gone by. The uh, Raw tag titles, Booker T and Goldust finally winning. It's it's something, if you're a Booker T, Goldust fan, if you're a Goldust fan in general, if you're a Dustin Rhodes fan, uh, this is a moment in time that you need to watch this match. But you have to go in it with in the back of your mind realizing you're going to have to suspend disbelief at a lot of stuff. No Undertaker on this show, which I I think he was probably hurt at this one. Kane, Batista, God, dude. Two, Batista's too young. Kane is... RVD was sitting at the world. I mean... Big Show was way too fucking overweight. <laughs> and yeah... We joke about it. I'm being dead serious. Edge was taking on A-Train. I mean, what a waste. What a waste. Uh, we waste... We we give away we give away in a segment John Cena and B squared don't even put them in the ring who, who I thought B squared I actually enjoyed that I thought the two of them made a good tag team one thing this show did show you though that was that they were trying to stack their roster for the future because you had all these OVW call ups even though Randy Orton wasn't on the show but I mean having Batista and having even John Cena just come out there at least shows you that they've got stuff lined up yeah. <laughs> On our rating scale of Hornswoggle, Giant Gonzalez, where do you rank Armageddon 2002 with Tori on the cover, who was also not there? Well, she was there in video form. She's all there. Sponsored by Lugs, by the way, which we talked about last week. Lugs uh, I'm, I'm going to give it to Don Marie. <laughs> wow, that is... Uh, I'm going to give it a Jacqueline. A, a future stepmother, Don Marie, and you're going to give it a... Uh... 
I hopefully win a, a woman's title, Jacqueline. Hall of Famer, Jacqueline. Hall so. of Famer. Holla, 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 famer. Well, you know what? I'm I'm a glutton for punishment, Patrick, and so... I See, I, I could tell that look in your eye. Where you no, I just... Go? You know what? I can't get enough of Shawn Michaels and Triple H. So let's do one more match. Ba- please, Bad Blood. Yeah, it's Bad Blood yes! 2004. Yes! <laughs> because, you know what? We haven't seen this match enough already. Let's see it in a hell in a cell as, once again... Uh, we talked about SummerSlam. Oh, you know, they had such a good match, it probably should have gone on last. Well, they took our advice for Bad Blood 2004, and they went over the World Heavyweight title uh, to be in the Hell in a Cell, because they mean more than that stupid world title, which their world champion was booked in a match against Kane, which followed a match with Eugene and Jonathan Coachman. And so there you go. That's just a taste of Bad Blood, the final Bad Blood, by the way. 2004. 2004, the uh, Hell in a Cell, where the Hell in a Cell originated on a Bad Blood show, which was in October, but it somehow moved to, like, June. So uh, that is... Give it a couple years, Bad Blood will pop back up. It will be. Well, that... There is a difference between... Uh, the original Bad Blood had, like, two Ds in blood, I think, or bad. One of them had two Ds, so... Bad had two Ds. Bad, yes. Because it's badder if it has two Ds. Yeah. So they got rid of that. Bad, bad Leroy Brown. So, Edge is on the cover of this one. It's from June 13th, 2004. Guess how many people are in attendance at this one, Patrick? I hope it's more than 9,000. It's 9,000. No shit, It's really? 9,000, yeah. <laughs> So there you go. We'll keep it 9,000 uh, next week. Why not just do a 2004? I mean, you know, that's the year. Why not just have the crowd be that? They should, yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> for an indie show, that's something they could probably do. Well, that'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothes and lines will close on. And bingo, bango. The tough gig SmackDown is the bitch of WWE. And I know this will never make air because what broadcaster is going to want? Look, look, I'm not paying my rights fees for that show. And it's when they, look, the former lead writer called it the bitch. But it is the bitch. It, 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 it's, it's the B show. And which is why when I, I became the lead writer for SmackDown, my whole goal was to compete with Raw. However, we were told we were splitting the writing teams. It was going to be Raw versus SmackDown and SmackDown versus Raw. And we're going to have one brand emerge as the A brand. And Vince wanted, Vince was so, you know, Vince McMahon is such a junkie for competition that when there was no more competition left out there, he created competition within. And it was going to be Raw versus SmackDown. And I became the lead writer for SmackDown. And to me, SmackDown wasn't going to be the B show anymore. SmackDown was going to be the A show and Raw was going to be our bitch. Vince loves competition. He thrives on it. He'd love to see everybody competing because competition raises everybody's game. But Paul just wasn't, he wasn't what you would call a model employee. Definitely, the element was highly competitive. We had unique rosters for both, unique writing teams for both. Seeing, you know, what he'd done with ECW, I thought, wow, with the talent pool here, there could be some really, really amazing things that you could do. The best thing about my tenure as the lead writer of SmackDown was the fact that we took superstars who were never perceived as main eventers before, and we thrust them into the main event spotlight without sacrificing 
the big box office of Brock Lesnar or The Undertaker or Hulk Hogan or anybody else who was on the show at the time. It was always about finding undiscovered talent that a lot of people would overlook. He can spot a star from a mile away. He's truly gifted that way. I got really my first solo break was when Paul took over as, as writer for SmackDown. One of the hottest young competitors in the World Wrestling Federation today. He'd pull me aside and say, you know, this is your opportunity. You know what you can do. I know what you can do. And as soon as you feel like you got somebody on your side that is there and they get you and they get that you can do it, that's a huge boost of confidence. What an ovation for Edge. And the people love Edge a lot, Cole. And I think what he also knows is what different people need. If it's one thing that I've learned from being on sets, it's that a director, which is essentially what the, the writer of a, a wrestling program is, is a director. And the director has to understand each actor and what their makeup is and what they need to pull out whatever performance it is that they need. Some need to be coddled. Some need to be motivated. Some need to be trash-talked almost. And, and um, Paul just gets that. I thought Paul did a hell of a job writing SmackDown. There was a big difference. He took ownership of that show. Uh, he was very competitive. He was hell-bent on making sure that that show was as good, if not better, than Monday Night Raw. I know at the time, Michael Cole and Taz were doing the broadcast. And I heard from both of them on numerous occasions that Paul would sit in on the edits while they were doing the voiceover. And they were miserable because he was such a perfectionist that he would hang on every word. Some of these voiceover sessions, which should have lasted maybe three hours, might last five or six hours. He's got a vision for the show. What Paul does, I think, is he's still such a fan of the industry that he stayed tapped into the vein of what the fan wants. And I can honestly say he's probably the only one left that does because everybody else is wearing their padded blazers and has lost complete touch with what the fan wants.